Welcome to the Reader House Author Roundtable, where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of publishing their books. I'm your host, Corey Graham. Join us here every Friday night at 8 p.m. or listen anytime via podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and PodServe, to name just a few. The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where the independent new authors come first. If I Live. This is the new book. It's out in stores right now. It's written by Alan Franklin, and I'm really happy to be talking with Alan right now all about it. Alan, welcome to the Reader House Author Roundtable. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. It's my pleasure. Can you tell me all about your new book, If I Live? Well, this book is mostly about our main character's journey through the afterlife. The book is split up into two halves, with the first half dealing with his last week of life in the world, and the second half being the physical aspect of the journey, seeing how his life could have played out if he did so differently. Hmm. Alan, what sorts of readers do you think would really be into If I Live? I feel like everyone would be interested in a book like this. I don't specifically target one aspect of a generation or age group or anything. Have you ever done anything like this before when it comes to writing or being published? Yes, this is actually my second book. My first Hmm. book is called Secrets. I won't get into that a lot, but I've been an unknown writer for a long time, for almost 10 years, doing this unprofessionally. Hmm. So, Alan, where did you get the idea for If I Live? Well, this has kind of been kicking in my head for a while, for like the last five years or so. Nothing in particular like sparked the idea. I was just, you know, one day going through doing some chores around my house and it popped in my head, you know, maybe let's do a book about somebody's journey through the afterlife. Did it take you a long time to write and then get published? The publishing of it took about a year, but the creating of it took just about six months or so. Hmm. Alan, when it comes to writing a book like If I Live, what did you find the most challenging part about things? I think the most challenging part of things is to be able to make a book that tries to make everyone happy, even though you can never make everybody happy in this world nowadays. But you just try to do your best to make it so everybody can enjoy it. What's it like to get that first hard copy in and uh, hold it in your hands and look at it for the first time, Alan? What's that moment like? I tell you what, I, I cried. You know, being able to hold something that you spent years trying to think of and create just to see your dream come into reality is something amazing. Mm. Like you said, If I Live is your second book. Do you have plans for maybe a third and a fourth and a fifth maybe? Oh, yeah. (laughs) I actually have a contract out right now with my go-to publisher, Newman Springs, Mm. for my third book called Please See Me, potentially coming out in 2023. Uh, I also have characters, plots, titles, details for about 34 books, including a four-book series I'm working on right now. Wow. What advice do you have for people who are just starting out? They haven't published yet, but they have a story to tell. They want to get it written. They want to get it published. Alan, how do they go get started? You know, it's something that I'm sure everyone has heard before, but don't give up. It doesn't matter if the people around you don't like your book as long as you like your book. Because if you like your book enough, 
there will be that somebody who will like your book as much as you do, and that's all it takes. Alan, people write for a lot of different reasons. Why do you write? What's the most rewarding thing for you? To be able to get the thoughts that I have down on paper and be able to describe things I normally couldn't describe in my everyday life through my storytelling, Mm -hmm. through my character development, and ultimately through the end of the book. Alan, when you sit down to get started writing one of your books, do you start with an idea and then go from there and see where things go? Or are you more of an outliner where you pretty much know how things are going to go throughout the book? I would say I'm about 50-50. In my head, I have you know the beginning, the climax, and the end mostly figured out. But then it's just those in-between parts where you want to be like, okay, how does A lead to B the lead to C? Alan, the first thing that struck me about your book was the cover. It's absolutely beautiful. Can you tell me about it? You know, it's. I wish I could design this cover, but <laughs> I tend to reach out to colleges around me for graphic designers or people who are taking art classes to be able to get their names into these books. Potentially, you know, if one of these books were to happen to make it big, to get their name out there, too. I encourage other authors to do that because we all have something that we can help out with each other. Absolutely. Well, kudos to you for searching out new talent. I think a lot of people are really going to be into this book. It's titled If I Live. It's written by Alan Franklin, and it's published by Newman Springs Publishing. Of course, you can pick this one up everywhere, like at Amazon and at Barnes & Noble and iTunes and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Alan, thank you again for coming on the show here and telling me all about your work. It's really exciting. I hope you come on here and tell me about the next one, too. I would absolutely love to. Thank you for having me. This has been a pleasure. Survival Handbook for Rookies, Rookie Cops. This is the new book. It hit stores just recently. It's written by Tyrone Cottingham, and Tyrone is right here with me now to talk all about it. Tyrone, welcome to the Reader House Author Roundtable. Thanks for joining me. You bet. Thank you very much, Corey, for this opportunity. Well, it's my pleasure to have you here. It's really exciting. The Survival Handbook for Rookies is out. Can you tell me about it? Yes, sir. It's a, it's a survival handbook that I wrote to help rookies survive on the street. And what inspired you to write this? Well, what inspired me to write it was, is back in 2016, 2017, every time you turn on the news, there are stories of rookie police officers are being killed in the line of duty every single day. It hurt me to the core. And one night I was sitting in my bed and I just cried out to the Lord and I just asked, I said, Lord, what can I do to help my brothers and sisters? I mean, they're being killed in large numbers. I felt him tell me in a still small voice that give them your knowledge, give them your years of experience. So I wrote this book. Obviously, this is aimed for cops in their first year of service. Is this also something that others could use as well? Well, absolutely. I mean, it'll be good for seasoned veterans. It'll help them to remind themselves not to be complacent because complacency in this job will get you killed. And it would also be good for people that are thinking about going into law enforcement to give them a heads up on what to expect with the job. Mm. Tyrone, how long of an endeavor has this been for you, both writing it and then putting it through the publishing process? It was about a year in the process in the writing, and then it took about another eight months to get it set up and into book form to where it is right now. Tyrone, think about that moment that you got that first hard copy in of your book, and you got to hold it in your hands and look at it for the very first time. What was that moment like? That was an amazing moment. You know, I was very proud of it. I was elated. I had tears of joy that the book that I had written, my stories, my thoughts, was now going to be out there for the world to see. Mm. And do you think we can see more from you in the future, thinking about writing more books? Absolutely, yes. 
I have another one that's almost finished right now. It's called The War Within, The Struggle Between a Christian and a Cop. So writing and publishing your first book can sure be a learning experience, Tyrone. What advice would you have for people who are in that same spot? They're just getting ready to put their first one out there. The main thing, and I don't mean to sound like a commercial, is just do it. There are a lot of good books out there waiting to be written. Fear, time, etc. they're keeping them from being published. And also, seek out Christian Faith Publishing. They are a top-notch publishing company, and their staff are the best in the business. I won't go anywhere else with my next book. As you well know, Tyrone, a lot of time and effort goes into writing and publishing a book. So what's the most rewarding aspect of it all for you? To be able to help people. I mean, mm. it even says in my book, if this book is able to help one person, one person to protect themselves, one person to take that extra second, it will all be worth it. And Tyrone, did you have people in your life who knew you were taking this on, writing this book, going for some publishing, and they could be there to inspire you, maybe encourage and motivate you along the way? Absolutely. The main person that inspired me with this book was my pastor, Pastor Darren Carson. He's the uh, pastor of Enjoy Church in Alton, Illinois. He had a mentor group that he started at our church, and he motivated and encouraged us to do new things, to write books, to start businesses, and to get out of your comfort zone. And the cover to this book, Tyrone, is quite striking. You know, it's really important. It's the first thing that people see when they see your book. So what kind of thought went into this cover? Well, I'll tell you, there had been a couple. There was two other ones before that. It, they, they just didn't fit what I was looking for. Hmm. And when I went with Christian Faith Publishing, he got it right on the first try. Mm. I mean, it's a picture of a, a rookie police officer with his vest on in training. He's got his sweats on and he's ready to go into training. It fit perfectly. And I was mm. like, wow, absolutely amazing. And I said, this is it. This is it right here. Well, I think this is a book that is well needed and a lot of people are going to benefit from it. It's titled Survival Handbook for Rookies, Rookie Cops. This is written by Tyrone Cottingham and is published by Christian Faith Publishing. Of course, you can find this one everywhere at Amazon and Barnes & Noble and iTunes and also at traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Well, Tyrone, thank you again for joining me here tonight and telling me all about your work. Thank you so much for everything you do. I hope we can talk again soon. Corey, I appreciate everything you do. And yes, it was very exciting and I appreciate it so much. Thank you for everything. Sometimes we just need to get back to the basics. And that's what author Helen July does in her new book, Basic Prep. It's out in stores right now. I'm really happy that Helen is joining me here right now at the show to tell me all about it. Helen, welcome to the show. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. It's exciting to see this new book out. Can you tell me what you've written about in Basic Prep? Well, it's actually, a, I guess, kind of like a Bible study. And the Lord gave it to me last summer, actually, right around this time in August. And it was just like really quick when he showed me, it was like, all, honestly, all of like seven seconds of this is what you're going to do. And this is going to be the titles. And so I just kind of, I came home after my walk <laughs> and I sat down and I started looking through my journals and it was like, I had already wrote down the titles and the scriptures. And I didn't even realize I had done that. And at that point, I just prayed, and the Lord just kind of led me through it and guided me in what to say and what to write. Hmm. What kind of a Bible study is this? What sorts of readers do you think would get the most from it? It's honestly, it's for married women, but it also went, single women as well hmm. can read through it. And honestly, it could be actually for anybody, but the Lord kind of guided me to it through my marriage, and that's where it came from. Was this a long process for you? Did it take you a long time to write this and then put it through the publishing process? 
You know, honestly, no, it did not. Hmm. I wrote it. It took me about six weeks and two days to finish it completely. And after I was done with it, the Lord was like, okay, now you're going to publish it. And I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> so I was like, okay, Lord, I'm like, well, if you want me to publish this thing, then you're going to have to, you know, lead me to where to go to publish it. And so I just began to search and I found Christian Faith Publishing. And I just was inquiring about it and, you know, what to do and how to do or whatever. And I sent them a copy and she called me back and was like, yeah. <laughs> and I was thinking that would be a process. But it was like two days later, they were like, okay, we're ready to go. And I'm like, whoa. Wow. So it, it happened really fast. So I know that it was from the Lord because I couldn't have done this on my own. And when you finally got that first hard copy and you got to hold it, look at it for the first time, Helen, what was that moment like for you? <laughs> I cried. Mm. <laughs> I cried because I was just so, I was so happy. And it was like all these emotions just kind of stirred up in me and, just really being thankful that the Lord thought enough of me to make me the co-author of this book with him because it's like it's completely from him and he just used me as a willing vessel to write it. Do you think we'll be seeing more from you then in the future? You know what? Yeah, I think so. I have something, some ideas that the Lord has given me and I write every day pretty much just journaling in my journals. I have probably about 20 of them that I've been writing in over the past years and I know that something bigger is coming. And I just, honestly, I just feel like basic prep is like the first chapter of what's to come. Mm. A lot of people listening right now, Helen, are just starting out. They're authors who want to get their first book out there. What advice could you give them? I don't know. The best thing I can say is just follow the Lord in your heart. You know, allow God to lead you into what he wants you to do, because if he does it, then you know whatever he does is going to be a success. Helen, you talk so much about journaling being a big part of your life. What's so rewarding to you about journaling and about writing? For me, it's writing down the promises of God and then going back and looking how he answered it and how, you know, his hand has been on my life from the very beginning. You know, in moments for me, it's like I thought I was doing things just because it came into my mind to do it or whatever. And the Lord took me back and he began to show me step by step where his hand was in it. And it was like, you know, you're not that smart, <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> and you're not that spiritually in tune to, you know, just to do these things on your own. Mm. It was both the willing to do of my good pleasure. And that's where it came from. You know, it was the Lord prompted me at different points and times in my life to do things. And the moment I didn't really realize it was the Lord that was telling me it was just, but I just knew I had to do it. And so I was obedient to what I was being led to do. Mm. I know a lot of readers are going to be blessed by this book. It's titled Basic Prep. It's written by Helen July, and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. Of course, you can pick this up everywhere, like at Amazon and Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Well, Helen, it's been wonderful speaking with you here today. Thank you so much for telling me all about Basic Prep, and I hope we get to talk again soon. Thank you. It's a Fight for a Man's Life in the new book by Pastor Ernest Dale Miller. It's titled COVID-19 versus the Pastor. And I'm really happy that Pastor Miller is right here with me now to talk all about it. Pastor, thank you for joining me today. Thank you, sir. It's my pleasure. Can you tell me all about COVID-19 versus the Pastor? What can readers expect? 
Well, I can tell you that the reason why I wanted to tell the story is so they could hear this from somebody that first knows how to pray, has been raised up praying about things, and that it is a real thing and it's something that we need to be aware of and prepare ourselves for. Mm. And Pastor, can you tell us a little bit about the story that you're telling in the book? actually started with a Sunday morning message about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego being thrown into the fiery furnace. And after I preached that message, I went home. I told my wife, I said, I said, man, I just don't feel good at all. Hmm. You know, we didn't know anything about COVID or anything. So I said, I'm going to go by and pick up my friend, and we're going to the hospital in Amarillo ER. I walk in and sit down in the ER in Amarillo. I had a 108-degree temperature. So I was a sick boy. Wow double pneumonia, my kidneys had failed, everything that could happen to you was going on, and they put me on a bent, all kinds of machines, everything that they had. I came to about three weeks later. They had me in uh, a recovery hospital. The Vibra hospital that they took me to was adjacent to the Baptist St. Anthony's there in Amarillo. They took me down there, and my daughter was there checking me in. And this lady behind the desk was telling my daughter, I can't check him in unless he's conscious. Hmm. She said, well, he's been out for three weeks. <laughs> she said, well, I can't check him in unless he's conscious. That morning, they had recorded my sermon on YouTube. So she took that sermon and put it up against the side of my head and began to play it. Now, you're unconscious. You don't know that you need to pray. You don't know what's going on. But I've been trained on how to pray because I've been trained as a minister and been a Christian for a long time. So if I'd have been conscious, could have took care of it. But here she is playing this up against the side of my head and this check-in nurse over there across the desk. And when we got to the part about when Nebuchadnezzar looked in the fiery furnace and he said, wait a minute, in Daniel's third chapter, he said, I thought we'd throw three Hebrew children in there all tied up. He said, I see four loose. And that fourth one looks like the son of God. My comments on that was that three Hebrew children went in, three came out, and Jesus is still in that fire, just in case I get in there. Just in case something puts us in that situation, he's there for you and me, because he said he'd never leave you, and he'd never forsake you. And at that moment, my eyes opened. My daughter said, well, I guess we can go ahead and check him in now. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. So that's the way this whole thing started. Pastor, who needs to hear your story? Who are you writing this book for? What sorts of readers? I'm talking about everyday Joe Plumbers, people that I'm afraid sometimes we get to thinking ourselves a little more highly than we should. Mm. And we get to thinking that, well, nothing's going to happen to me. God loves me so much that he's got a picture of me on his desk and nothing's going to happen to me. He carries my picture around his pocket. He does love us. He loves us enough that he gave us his son. But the people that I wrote this book for is for those folks that need him that don't really know it, Mm. that don't realize that they might be walking outside of that circle just a little bit, that they need to come back to the center just a little more. You know, because sometimes we get a little bit too far right, too far left, but God keeps us connected in the middle. Mm. I think a lot of people are going to want to read this book. It's titled COVID-19 versus the Pastor. It's written by Pastor Ernest Dale Miller and is published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find this book everywhere, like at Amazon and Barnes & Noble and iTunes and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Pastor, thank you again for joining me here today and telling me about your work. I had a nice time chatting with you. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you, sir. 
I'm really happy right now to be sitting down with author Pam Carson here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Pam, thank you for joining me tonight. Oh, thank you for inviting me. Well, it's my pleasure to be speaking with you. It's exciting you have a new book out right now. It's called Through a Child's Eyes, Christian Parenting from Infancy to Five Years. So, Pam, can you tell me all about the book? Well, I've been a retired children's ministry director, and I've just always had a real heart for parents and for children. What I found through the 40-something years I've worked with children is that most parents don't understand the world a small child lives in. So what I did was I tried to open up better communication, better understanding, and a lot more grace for little children. Pam, can you go back and think about that moment when you decided, hey, I have all this experience and knowledge that I've gathered over the years. I need to sit down and write this book and publish this book. How did that happen? Well, it started off as a PowerPoint. And when I retired, I had like 30 boxes of just wonderful things that I had collected through the years. And God really just kept nudging me. And one day I sat down and I just sorted through everything and made a PowerPoint. And then I realized it would probably reach more people if it was in a book form. When you were doing that, was that a long process to gather everything and then take it to PowerPoint, then PowerPoint to book, and then put it through the whole publishing process? Don't laugh. It's been 30 years. Wow. (laughs) It was something I really felt God nudging me to. Hmm. One of my biggest disabilities is I have a learning disability and I can't spell. And so it was like he was asking me to do something that I really didn't have the skill set to do. But it really just fell out amazingly well into like about three or four parts. By the time I got through with it, it was it was an incredible experience writing it, but it was also an incredible experience to see it in a book form. Yeah, Pam, what was that moment like when you got that first physical copy and got to hold it in your hands for the first time? Well, I had gotten kind of discouraged because it just seemed like so long to write it. Mm. But when I held that book, it just made my heart sore. And my, my prayer for that book is that it will help young parents understand their children live in a world where everything is so much bigger than they are. And they have a lot of fears, but they don't communicate like we do. They live in a fantasy world. So when I saw that book, I just felt like it was an opportunity to help grow relationships and grace in homes. Mm -hmm. Pam, would you say that this is written primarily for a Christian audience or would non-Christians also benefit? I think anybody can use it that wants to understand little children. It was Christian-based. But, you know, children are children when they're little, and they don't understand things like we do. So, you know, growing a faith before they're five years old is very, very strong. That's a great thing, and on the other side, it can be a very scary thing because you really need to watch how you speak to small children. Mm, Absolutely. Pam, were there people in your life who knew that you were taking a project like this on and they could be there to encourage you and motivate you and back you up along the way? Yes. uh, I had a really good friend, Judy, who had written some books, and she really helped me go through and organize it. And then my husband, he got a degree in English, so he was able to do the parts that I couldn't. And I didn't really write this book as much as I had the idea, and I just had a lot of incredible people to help encourage me and help change the things and put it in a form where it would be easy for others to read. Pam, the cover of a book is so important. It's often the very first thing people will see when they're out there searching around. So what kind of thought went into your cover? 
I wanted something that looked intriguing to parents, and so I chose a child holding a big bubble. It's because their world is such a world of wonder. Just from a creation of a bubble, you you see amazing colors, and it just intrigues people. So when I did the cover, I was thinking of parents and children. I know a lot of parents and children are going to be blessed and helped out by this book. It's titled Through a Child's Eyes, Christian Parenting from Infancy to Five Years. It's written by Pam Carson, and it's published by Covenant Books. You can find it everywhere, of course, like at Amazon and at Barnes & Noble, on iTunes, and at traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Well, Pam, it's been a delight having you here on the show tonight. Thanks for chatting with me. Thank you for inviting me. You have a wonderful day. Loving God is the new book by Deborah Tarver Waters that says it takes readers on a spiritual odyssey, exploring God's love for us and our love for Him. Deborah is sitting right here with me now to tell me all about it. Deborah, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for inviting me. It's my pleasure. Can you tell me all about your book, Loving God? Well, my book, Loving God, is all about truly loving the living God. I guess the thing about my ministry is truly loving the Lord our God with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, and all of our strength, which is the way to really love Him and to know that God is real. And the experiences that I had growing up in the church and not really believing that God was real, I just went to church because my mama made me go. Mm. But in the process, I learned more about Him. My last chapter of the book is Loving God Through Suffering. One might ask if both Christians and non-Christians suffer, why should we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior? And the reason is because earth is not our home. Eventually, either heaven or hell is our eternal destination. By accepting Jesus our Lord and Savior here on earth now, we're guaranteed to a place in heaven then. Suffering here on earth is awful. Why would you want to live eternity in hell? Heaven and hell are real, just like God is real. And if you look around wherever you are, whether you're inside or out, Look at the buildings, the streets, the pavements, restaurants, libraries, schools, laundromats, street lamps, automobiles, windows and glass, and all of that. All of that is man-made. And if you're at home, if you look at your rooms, your television, beds, appliances, curtains, blinds, and sheets, and dishes, and everything like that was made by someone. The question is, or becomes, who made the stuff we make things out of? It couldn't just appear no more than the things inside or outside our homes just appeared. There must be a God somewhere. So riddle me this. How can someone who existed before anything ever existed create everything that does exist from nothing that ever existed before? There must be a God somewhere. How did you get the idea to write this book? What persuaded you to sit down and publish it? Actually, it comes from a variety of sermons that I had written over the course of the last, what, 15, 20 years. I always just write out all of my sermons. It's just easier for me, and that's the way the Lord works through me. Mm. And so while I was a minister on staff at New Hope Missionary Baptist Church under the pastorship of uh, Dr. Robert Fairley, I noticed that I was having a series, Loving God Through Obedience, Part 1 and 2, Loving God Through Prayer 1 and 2, some of the chapters in the book. And I even mentioned one time when I was preaching, I think I got a series going on. (laughs) But that was many, many years ago. And so as time progressed, I had all these sermons, and then all of a sudden the Lord just, you know, I just decided, well, the Lord helped me decide to put it in a book. Would you say this is primarily a church-going audience then that you were writing to with this? I think that I was preaching to a church-going audience, but I want this book to be more for people. I don't really want to church church folk. 
I want to touch the hearts of those who might be on the cusp of really believing whether God is who he says he is or not because Mm -hmm. of the things that they've witnessed or seen by the church. And so I just want to give my testimony as someone having grown up in the church and not really believing that God is who he says he is and how I really became to know the living God and want to give anyone that's just kind of right on the cusp a reason why they should believe through my own life's experience. Mm. Deborah, is this your first venture into the realm of publishing? Yes, it is my first book. I've always wanted to write a book because I love to read, mostly fiction, but I just love to read. And I've always wanted to write a book. And I said, well, you know, I want to write a book, but I don't think I know enough about anything to write a really good book. And the Lord said, you know a lot about me. I'm like, oh, I do know a little something, something about you. (laughs) And so I started using the sermons and I wrote the book. Wow. What was it like then when you finally got that first hard copy in, got to hold it for the first time, Deborah? What was that moment like for you? That moment for me was like, wow, (laughs) I really wrote a book. My name is on it. And if you look at the back, oh, there I am. My picture is on it. And it's my life story. And someone thought it was good enough to put it to a book. (laughs) So I was just excited. Mm. Do you have any advice that you could offer to those listening right now who are authors just starting out, just about to publish their first book? Trust the Lord, especially if you're a Christian, trust the Lord. Mm. Writing, I believe, is a gift. And if he has gifted you, just go for it. Make a few minutes each day and start writing. And then usually when I write, once I start writing, all of a sudden it just begins to flow. And sometimes when I come out of my flow, I'm like almost surprised at what I have written because I know that the Holy Spirit begins to write through me. I cannot do anything. I can't preach. I can't write a sermon. I can't write a book without the Holy Spirit, without the assistance of the Holy Spirit. Mm. I know a lot of people are going to be blessed by this book. The title is Loving God. It's written by Deborah Tarver Waters, and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find it everywhere, like Amazon and Barnes & Noble and iTunes and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Deborah, it's been a real pleasure having you on the show here today. Thank you so much again for joining me. Thank you for inviting me. I'm really happy right now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable to be joined by author Anita Nina Spencer-Apperly. Nina, thank you for being here with me. Thank you so much for having me. It's my pleasure to have you here. It's really exciting. You have a book. It's out in stores right now called Being Bold with Bible Art Journaling, a creative, colorful way to study and share God's Word. I love the idea behind this book. Can you tell me about it? Yes. It's a book about Bible art journaling, which is taking artwork, putting it in the margins of your Bible, and sharing God's Word with others by sharing your artwork. Hmm. Where did the idea for this come from? Well, Bible art journaling has been on Pinterest for quite a few years now, and I started looking at Pinterest at the time, um, very excited about God's Word being put into colorful ways Hmm. and then put into artwork. And so I started doing it on my own. And then I started showing my friends. They became very interested in it. And then after that, they encouraged me to do a class at my church. And so I started having classes where we would have 10 to 15 people join in. And the classes would last, oh, about 10 to 12 weeks in the spring and in the fall. And I did that for about four or five years. And then finally, I said, well, now it's time to put it in a book for everybody to share. Did you have certain readers in mind with being bold with Bible art journaling? Who do you think would get the most out of this? 
I think young ladies will. I've had ladies from in their 20s to their 80s participate in these classes. I've had them branch off and start teaching their own classes with youth, with girls, and it's just blossomed. Mm. When it comes to publishing, have you ever done anything like this before? I have never. This is my very first, and I am so excited about it. Yeah, you should be. Was it a long thing for you to do? Actually, no. I'm a speech pathologist. I work for a school district. Hmm. So I'm off during the summer, and I sat down at the beginning of July one summer, started writing, and hated it when I had to get up and do something else. (laughs) So I was just driven. And so in one month, I had a working copy of the book. Wow. There's nothing like seeing that finished product, Nina. What was it like when you got that first hard copy and you got to hold it and look at it for the first time? I was in disbelief. I couldn't <laughs> believe it actually came to being. It's it's one thing writing the book, but getting it published takes a little bit longer and you have to learn a lot about the publishing world to be able to do that. Definitely is a learning experience. What advice would you have now for people who are going to do the same thing? I would say educate yourself before you start looking for a publisher because there's so many facets that we're just unaware of when we go to the bookstore to buy a book of all that goes into it. Absolutely. Do you think we'll see more books from you in the future? I do. I see this as being a series. Hmm. And a lot of time and hard work goes into this kind of thing, Nina. Like you said, what's the most rewarding aspect of it all for you? When people tell me that they've shared the artwork or the verses from God's Word and that it's changing some attitudes and impacting some people's lives, that's been the most rewarding when I do Bible art journaling. And for me, what I do, and in the book, I explain what tools to use, which writing materials are appropriate for the Bible and which are not, because if you use the wrong kind of ink, it will bleed through the pages and ruin the next couple of pages on your Bible. So I teach all of that in this study, and I give them step-by-step instructions, and we take God's Word a chapter at a time. Mm. So I don't just pick out one verse and study that. We look at the whole chapter so that we can get the full benefit of God's Word. Mm. Nina, did you have people around you in your life who knew that you were doing this, taking a project of this scope on, and they could be there to encourage and maybe motivate you along the way? My friends were phenomenal. They encouraged me. They were with me. They were my editors. They were my critics. They were my motivators. I know a lot of people are going to be blessed by this book and should definitely check it out. The name is Being Bold with Bible Art Journaling, a creative, colorful way to study and share God's Word. This is written by Anita Nina Spencer Apperly, and it's published by Covenant Books. You can find this everywhere, like at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Well, Nina, it's been wonderful chatting with you here today. Thanks again for joining me here at the show. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Joining me now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable is author Miranda Williams. Miranda, thank you for being here with me tonight. No problem. It's exciting. You have a new book out in stores, Miranda's Poems. Can you tell me about what readers can expect in this? There's a variety of different poems that I've written over the years. What inspired you to collect your poems and publish them? I've been writing for years, since I was like 12, 13. And when I had the miscarriage back in 2018 was when I first decided that I wanted to publish a book. 
That way, people that are in a bad place could read it and find the light the way I did the books I read. Mm. Miranda, what kinds of readers do you think would be really into your poetry? It's kind of hard to say because I think depending on their outlook, Hmm. it could be a variety of different people. It could be anywhere from teenagers to adults. It could be women, women that are moms, women that have had miscarriages before. And how long did this take you to put together and then prepare for publishing? Well, some of the poems I wrote back in, like, 2002, one was 2008, and it just kind of went from there a lot, all different years. Have you ever published a book before? No. Congratulations. What was that moment like for you when you got the first physical copy and you got to hold it and look at it for the first time? I was so excited. Mm. Can we expect maybe more writing and publishing from you in the future? Possibly. I've got two I'm working on right now. One's a novel and one's a collection of short, scary stories. Hmm. And what advice would you have now for authors who are just about to embark on that same journey, get their first work out there? Don't give up and don't let anybody tell you that you can't do it or that your book and ideas are stupid. Hmm. There's a lot of people that like to tear other people down because they don't believe you can commit to something. And no matter what happens, whether you're a famous author or it doesn't sell a single copy, you actually accomplished this, and it should be something that you're very proud of. Mm -hmm. Miranda, who inspires you when you're writing your poetry? It started with my grandmother's death back in 2001, and then... Pretty much my miscarriage, my mom, and my son now, who's almost two and a half. What do you do when you get writer's block, Miranda, when the words just aren't coming, but you know you want to write? Usually I get mad. I throw my pen. My mom tells me to go take a walk and play with baby outside for a while, and then I just come back to it. Sometimes it takes a couple days before I can get back to it. And looking over all that you've written and now that you've been published, what's the most rewarding aspect for you of knowing your work is now out there for the world? The fact that I can honestly look myself in the mirror and say, I accomplished something in my life, whether it sells absolutely no copies at all. Mm. And when it comes to the things that you read, Miranda, are you a reader mostly of poetry or do you explore a lot of things? Mostly I read romance novels. But now I'm getting more into, like, mysteries, like the Hardy Boy Mystery Collection. Mm. When you sit down to write your poetry, Miranda, how do you get started with things? Well, it actually started as songs I was writing over my life that turned into poems. So I decided to do them as poetry instead of the songs I wanted them at. Do you have a certain time and a place that you like to get your writing done? No, it's pretty much whenever the inspiration hits. I think this is a book that a lot of people are really going to be into. It's titled Miranda's Poems. It's written by Miranda Williams, and it's published by Fulton Books. You can get this one everywhere, like at Amazon and Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Miranda, thank you again for joining me here tonight and telling me about your poetry. I had a very nice time talking with you. You too. One of the effects that I think the pandemic has had is that it's made us all much more aware of our health and the way we live. The new book by Felicia Hunt looks at this and other issues around the pandemic in her new book, Remembering 2020, 
year of the most memorable national challenges. Felicia is joining me right now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable to tell me all about it. Felicia, welcome to the show. Thank you for being here. Yes, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It is my pleasure. Can you tell me all about your book, Remembering 2020? Yes, my book outlines and dissects the effects of the COVID-19 pandemic versus systemic racism in our black and brown communities, as well as bridging the gaps in healthcare in our rural black and brown communities, including high blood pressure, diabetes, high cholesterol, increasing strokes, and increasing heart attacks. Also, my book outlines and dissects the effects of the civil rights movement, the Black Lives Matter civil rights movement, as well as the vice presidential and presidential campaigns, which occurred in the year 2020 as well. Hmm. Felicia, you mentioned the black and brown communities you're addressing. Was that your target audience for this primarily? Yes, absolutely. Also including individuals and families in the Latinx communities, Hmm. the LGBT plus communities, transgender communities, and non-binary communities as well. Hmm. Felicia, how were you inspired to write this book? Where'd you get the idea? Well, I was a registered nurse for over 15 years, and I practiced mostly in the critical care area Hmm. and before I became a nurse practitioner. And I experienced individuals and families in the black and brown communities who received poor health care during my practice as a registered nurse. And then I've also seen it as a nurse practitioner. So that's what at first inspired me to write the book so that I can teach individuals in our black and brown communities how preventive health strategies and screenings that they can perform with their individuals and family members and their loved ones in their homes as they navigate through my book. That's so important. Have you ever done anything like this before, Felicia? Have you written or published before this? No, sir. This is my first book. (laughs) Congratulations. Did it take you a long time to do? Yes, sir. Mm. It took me about about a year and a half because I started like December 2019, and then I finished it in September 2021, so pretty close to two years, I would say. Wow, a lot went into this, a lot of time, a lot of energy, I'm sure. So what was it like, Felicia, that moment you got the first physical copy in, got to look at it and hold it for the first time? Oh, my God, it was just super amazing. I couldn't believe it was my picture on the front of a book. <laughs> I couldn't believe that it's actually me, that I'm, I'm published this book and I wrote this book on my own, that I'm the actual author. is super, super, super exciting. Oh, my God. It was just, I feel so blessed. I feel very, very blessed to have my own book in my own hands. So, yes, absolutely. You know, Felicia, a lot of people listening right now are authors who haven't written, haven't published before, but they want to. So what advice do you have to offer them? Yes. Everyone has a story to tell. Everyone has a story to tell, whether they tell it or not. And in my opinion, there are no rules to writing your own story. All you have to do is begin writing, tell your story from your heart and from your life experiences. And before you know it, you will have a book that you can share with individuals across the nation. You know, a lot of us have something that we want to say. We have a story to tell, but then we sit down to actually write it and we can't get the words to come out. Do you ever get writer's block or anything like that? And how do you get through the challenges like that when you're writing? Yes, sir. When I'm writing, I usually use the journal. I went through grad school, Mm. so I use the journal and research method. But even if you have not been to college, there are videos on YouTube that individuals and families can research how to use journal articles and how to research journal articles and also how to not plagiarize. You Mm. do not want to plagiarize the work, but you won't 
you want individuals and families to read your work. You want individuals and families to read your work. So on YouTube, there are professional writers who can help in that regard to prevent you from plagiarizing so that you can tell your story from a genuine perspective. Well, this book has so many important things to say, and I think a lot of people are going to love it. It's titled Remembering 2020, Year of the Most Memorable National Challenges. This is written by Felicia Hunt, and it's published by Fulton Books. You can grab this up anywhere, like at Amazon and Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, and at traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Yes, sir. Felicia, thank you again for being here and telling me all about your work. I had a great time talking with you, and I hope we get to do this again. Thank you, absolutely. And I would love to be invited anytime, anytime. It was such a pleasure speaking with you guys. Thank you. Joining me here right now at the Reader House Author Roundtable is author Manny Empock. Manny, thank you so much for joining me today. My pleasure. I just wanted to congratulate you on having a new book out in stores right now. The title is The Heart of the Creator. Can you tell me all about this? The book is written to address all the difficult questions about life that we all have regarding everything around us. It takes humanity really by hand directly into the heart of an interactive being who claims to have created all things. Now, considering the treacherous nature of life today, it discloses the protective measures he has established for the vulnerable, and in particular, a guaranteed solution for the most daunting challenge facing the world today, which is peace between the Arabs and Israel in the Middle East. So the book is just an attempt to take people down to the heart of this creator and have people interact with him instead of subjective suppositions from all different areas of life who might as well meet the person who claims to be the creator. Manny, what kinds of readers were you speaking to here? This is directed at everyone because As I see it, everyone has some kind of a belief system. Mm. And the book is simply providing an opportunity for all humans to actually test and validate the moorings of their belief system in light of the creator's position. These belief systems, as we know, have far-reaching implications and inextricably determines the quality of one's life. I believe that an encounter with what is in the heart of the creator is going to be a life-changing experience for everybody. Manny, what led you to write and publish this book? How did you get the idea? Well, I am an inventor. Hmm. I actually create medical diagnostic devices, and my take in life is a little different maybe from most people. The reason for that is my products can lead to death if the results they give are incorrect. Mm -hmm. So I live in a world where absolute truth is an imperative. Mm -hmm. There is no in-between. So I live in this world and seeing what is going on and seeing what I have seen in my work and over the past, and I seem to see that everything in life seems to have a very clearly defined purpose. Mm -hmm. And knowing what I have come to know, I felt it was really an imperative to have this written. Hmm. Did this take you a long time then to write and put through the publishing process? Well, it did because I've gone through this for, I think I did a lot of research Hmm. on this. 
combined with my work for over 15 years. But I had a near-death experience last year, which actually forced me to try and write this down just in case I died so that the information will not be lost. And that was the catalyst in forcing me to write it. Mm. Is this the first time you've ever written a book or been published? Yes, that is correct. Congratulations. Do you have any advice for listeners right now who are in that same spot? They're about to embark on that same journey of writing their first book? Well, I think that we all have something to contribute to the world. I look at people like Nikolai Tesla. There was a lot that he wanted to leave to the world, a whole lot. He didn't have the opportunity to. And there are many people I know who have been created to do this. And so whatever anyone feels led to share with the world, I think they should do it without hesitating. Manny, when it comes to writing and publishing, have you thought about the future and what you're doing next? I really would like, I've had some feedback and some responses in the book, and there is a lot more I have. But I also felt that there are many people who like reading, and there's a generation of people who prefer watching television. So yes, I do intend to write more, but I also intend to be able to transform this into a movie if I'm able. That'd be wonderful. I know a lot of people are going to be really into this book and should check it out. The title is The Heart of the Creator. This is written by Manny Empock, and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find this everywhere, like Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and iTunes, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Well, Manny, thank you again for joining me here tonight and telling me all about your work. I had a great time talking. Thank you. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this edition of the Reader House Author Roundtable where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of publishing their books. We hope to see you back here every Friday night at 8 p.m. or listen anytime via podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Podserve, to name just a few. The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where independent new authors come first. 